Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. Show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Halt and Catch Fire. Today we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 10, the series finale, titled Ten of Swords. God, this is such a perfect ending. This is such an amazing finale. This is such a brilliant, beautiful, poetic, just phenomenal conclusion to such an amazing series. I cannot picture a better way for this story to wrap up. I cannot picture a better way to say goodbye to these characters. Like, it's really... Really fantastic. It's magnificently handled, and I I love it. It's so, so good, and they freaking nailed every second of it. There's not a hair out of place with this final episode. Uh, I love how it starts, this opening sequence where Joni uh, calls Donna and recounts to her this grand adventure she had going to this temple and kneeling before this statue of the Buddha, uh, putting her head on the ground and thinking of Gordon. Uh, It's just this really heartfelt story, this really beautiful story, uh, and this great cathartic, like, coming together of mother and daughter after the last interaction they had went very, very poorly. Uh, Joni acknowledges that <laughs> that the reason they fight a lot is because they're so similar. Uh, it's just really nice. It's just a really nice phone conversation between mother and daughter. I really, really love it. And by the way, speaking of Donna, she has gone like completely badass. Like she is now head of this VC firm. in charge of everything, and she is just kicking all the ass. And there's this whole montage where she's just being, like, cool boss and being awesome and doing great work, and it's really well done. She renamed the firm to Symphonic Ventures. Remember, Symphonic was the first project she and Gordon worked on together that failed miserably. So a little a little ode to Gordon in that name change, which is so, so wonderful to see. Uh, but while Donna is being a badass, Joe is having not nearly as good of a time. Uh, He's going on his own little adventure. Beginning of this episode, in the wake of Yahoo getting on the toolbar of of Netscape, he basically decides to shut down Comet. Like, yeah, no, I'm not even going to bother. Like, we're screwed, we're dead, no one's going to see us next to Yahoo. 
Like, we're just... There's no way. There's no way we're going to be able to compete. So it's just... There's no point in trying. Uh, and he's saying goodbye to all of his employees. He's saying goodbye to all of his employees. One of them, like, gets his vision. Like, yeah, it made sense. Like, you made the right call. It would have been a bummer to just sit around watching uh, watching us get crushed. Watching ourselves get crushed under the weight that is Yahoo. Uh, so that's fully shut down. And Joe... In response to this, goes on a bit of soul-searching. Uh, he goes to a psychic, and I love this scene with a psychic. I really, really do. Uh, Carol Kane plays the psychic. Um, you may know her from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> She's the crazy... <laughs> the crazy landlord in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> and it was just a delight... To see her as a literal psychic, like, that was really fun. Like, she just brought some of that chaos that she's known for to just a few minutes of Halt and Catch Fire. Joe gets his palms read. Uh, He gets cards flipped or whatever you call that. And he basically gets this reading of, like, yeah, your future's not going to be great, but maybe it'll be okay. Maybe it'll be fine. Basically, Joe gets this reading of, look, if you try another project, you're going to lose again. If you try another project, you're going to fail. At least this is how Joe sees it. But maybe you'll have some happiness if you start to mellow out a little bit. And this is kind of hammered home when Joe sits down and just randomly runs into this one IBM asshole uh, all the way back from season one. This was a freaking deep cut. Remember back in season one, the guy who uh, tried to just shut down Cardiff's PC program before it even started because Joe reverse-engineered an IBM PC, and it was super illegal. Remember that? That guy! That guy just randomly shows up, and he and Joe have, like, a civil conversation. Uh, just sit down, and the dude's like, yeah, it's actually been kind of nice to see you go on all these different ventures over the years. It's been kind of nice to see you do all this shit. Uh, between Cardiff and West Group and McMillan and... Then finally comment. And more than a few of us have grown to trust your your little intuitions of where the industry is going. More than a few of us have grown to trust your judgment. And the parting words is, I can't wait to see what you do next, Joe. And throughout this entire conversation, you kind of see, like, this is just lowly IBM stooge who is kind of just existing, kind of just living his life. Uh, This is in an era when IBM was kind of starting to fade out of the spotlight. And Joe just decides at this moment, you know, I don't want to be that. And so he just Fs right off. 
and does his own thing, and we'll talk about where he ends up later when we get to the ending ending. Uh, but this little adventure, all of this stuff with Joe, by the way, all of this happens before the main title sequence. Like, they pile on on the Joe McMillan soul-searching very early on in this finale. Uh, and then almost immediately, in a very, like, mirrored arc for Cameron, Cameron, after going on this months-long tour with Alexa, uh, trying to talk herself up to various, various key players, it's just growing frustrated and was like, you know what? No, this isn't worth it. Like, I'm gaining nothing out of this. Uh, you're just sitting there doing nothing and scolding me for not being the puppet you want. Uh, F this, I'm done. And just walks away, walks away from this deal with Alexa. And decides, you know what? I'm done with Silicon Valley. I'm gone. I'm just gonna go on a little, uh, little road trip. Maybe go to Florida. See my mother who I have been estranged from for pretty much the duration of this show. Which, in and of itself, is a very, like, it shows Cameron's kind of matured and mellowed out over the years. In and of itself, it's kind of like, season one Cameron never would have given her mother the time of day. And for good reason, quite frankly. But now, like, season four Cameron is like, you know what? It's time I should, I should go see her, I should try to establish something, we'll see what happens. Uh, and so we basically get the Cameron goodbye tour, uh, she says goodbye to Boz, and we get this really, really touching send-off of the two of them. And Boz, Boz is talking about how, like, yeah, I tried to stay in the game way longer than I should have, and at a certain point, you just gotta, you just gotta give up, you just gotta stop trying so hard, otherwise it'll just consume you, basically. And it's like this really, really beautiful goodbye between surrogate da daughter, surrogate father, because remember, like, the dynamic between Cameron and Boz, it's very much been like father-daughter. And it's a really, really beautiful little relationship. It's a really beautiful dynamic that's been developed throughout the whole show. And this is Cameron flat out saying goodbye to Boz. And it's like, I don't want to say goodbye. I don't want to... I don't want to have to do this. And Boz is like, hey, you, you better not say goodbye to forever. I fully expect you to come back. Like, don't let me get old is the exact words he uses. And it's just so beautiful. Uh, she tries to check in on Joe. He's flat out gone. By this point in the episode, Joe's already left. His apartment's been empty for weeks. There's a freaking real estate agent there trying to sell the place. It's, it's a whole thing. And then she goes to Donna. Which ends up being a massive adventure in and of itself. So after they, like, explain, exchange pleasantries and after they have a whole conversation, uh, two things happen. By the way, while this is happening, Donna's, like, setting up this women in tech party. 
which is cool, which is really, really awesome. Two things happen. A, Cameron floats the idea of, hey, what if we work together again? We should do that. And B, uh, Haley's computer just self-destructs, basically. As she's working on a massive Madziff project, and she's freaking out. She is just livid over this. She is just having a full-blown meltdown. Her new boyfriend is there, which... Ooh, knowing what we as the audience know about Haley, that's a big... That one's a big yikes. <laughs> uh, yeah, but basically Don and Cameron just go full-blown... Uh, tech support. <laughs> Donna's like, hey, new boyfriend, take her to a movie. Star Trek Generations is out. So they go see Star Trek Generations, and Cameron and Donna are left to sort of repair this uber-broken computer. And, you know, they they do what they can, but they can't really salvage all the data. They can't really do anything with it. So it ends up being a lost cause. And then eventually Haley comes back and is like, yeah, Star Trek Generations was weird. Uh, she shows Cameron a letter that Joe wrote her. And it's like, yeah, you know what? Maybe this whole computer thing isn't such a bad idea after all. Fresh start, just like Joe said. Just like Joe said he needed a fresh start. Maybe this is the fresh start I need, this computer just self-destructing. Meanwhile, Donna's at the party. She's uh, doing wonderful stuff, chatting with people, and then gets up, gives this beautiful, elegant, speech about how far she has come, how far technology in general has come, and also how far she as a woman in technology has come. And yeah, she's done some sleazeball things. And they've come at a cost, and it's not all been perfect. Uh, She looks back on the mutiny situation with all the regret. But she's like, hey, it does none of that matters, though. I did these things. I was able to, as a woman in technology, sort of gain a foothold and work on some amazing projects. And it's sort of this great sequence that sort of underscores, like, I actually talked about this on CBM Weekly a little bit. This came up for no apparent reason. Halt and Catch Fire, once it hits its stride, is a very feminist show. Like, it does a lot for female empowerment in the tech world. And this scene sort of underscores all that. It puts a little button on all that. And it has this optimistic view of the future. Like, hopefully, uh, when... Gordon and Donna's children are Donna's age, they won't have to have parties like this to sort of remind everyone we're here. 
but it's this great little inspirational breaking up of the boys club, just really, really beautiful speech that is punctuated by Cameron falling in the pool. <laughs> Which is a very, very halt and catch fire way to punctuate an inspirational speech. Just, ah, fall in the pool. <laughs> it was really funny. Like, just, oh, uplifting, feel good, nice little speech. Yay! Cameron falls in the pool. <laughs> And afterwards, Donna and Cameron are sort of sitting in the pool. They're having a chat. Donna's like, you know what? We're, we're friends right now. We should just we should just stick with that and not be business partners at this particular stage. Uh, Haley comes out and is like, <laughs> you fell in the pool. That was funny. Uh, she announces she dumped her boyfriend immediately. <laughs> and then Donna and Cameron basically have this... Little, little side conversation of... So Haley's gay, right? (laughs) (laughs) The exact exchange of dialogue is... You know, sometimes I feel like maybe... Haley's gay. Now, I told you... To sort of... To sort of pay attention to who figured this out. To who actually managed to pick up on these signals? Who managed to actually 100% realize, oh yeah, Haley's gay? Let's just take a look at who, who figured this out explicitly. Who was able to pick up on the signals? Uh, who needed no hand-holding at all to come to the realization? Joe figured it out immediately, just from two seconds of seeing her with this uh, fast food lady. Donna figured it out on her own. Cameron figured it out on her own. You know who didn't figure it out on their own? You know who never pieced it together? At least not explicitly. You know who... Kinda had to, like, sort of have people holding his hand throughout the whole thing. Joe dropping the hints of, maybe you don't know her as well as you think. And then had to see, like, oh, she owes this fast food place a lot. And then that drawing in the rocket. And then, all oh, the fast food lady has those tattoos. And then even then, it's kind of vague whether or not he actually knows... You know who's the one person who never just automatically realized it? Frickin' Gordon. (laughs) Of course it was Gordon. Of course of the main four, it had to be Gordon, who just was the dumb dad and never realized it on his own. Uh, It's very vague as to whether or not he realized it, period. Because even with the whole uh, rocket drawing, tattoos on fast food lady thing, even then it's up to interpretation to each their own as to whether or not he knew before he died. Like, he's the only one. (laughs) He's the only one who, and 
and I guess Boz didn't know either, but, like, he didn't spend that much time with Haley. He's the only one in that group who didn't figure it out on their own. Good job, Gordon. Great job. What a smart man. <laughs> what a very intelligent intellectual. <laughs> Oh, good God. We all love Gordon. He's great. He's wonderful. Oh, and then there's this perfect, perfect sequence. Where Cameron and Donna, they go back to the old mutiny building, which was then the frickin' ISP building, which was then the Comet building. They go back there, and they sort of take a walk down memory lane. They sort of, like, just swap old mutiny stories, sort of walk through all the stuff. They they reminisce about some old stories, some old employees. Uh, apparently, there's one employee with four kids. There's one who is a professor now. Uh, there's one who's doing porn. <laughs> a, a porn site. A porn site. But still porn. <laughs> and then they just sort of think, hey, how would we run it if we did it again? How would we run it? And they sort of think of like, oh, uh, well, I think we'd call it, uh, we'd call it Phoenix. You know, Phoenix riding, rising from the ashes, Cameron Donna partnership, blah, blah, blah. It's like, we call it Phoenix. And then they just proceed to just give the oral history of Phoenix. Uh, the oral historic fantasy that is Phoenix. And they just live this fantasy life. They run this fantasy business for a couple of minutes. And it's so great. And every single thing they say is just like, yeah, that's how it would go. Like, I remember, like, those those couple years we spent just R&D, uh, just coming up with crazy ideas. I remember our Series A. And then we went public. We had to make some difficult decisions. Uh, and, you know, at times we argued... Donna, safe option, Cameron digging heels. Uh, but it wouldn't destroy us this time. And then, you know, that eventually the decision wouldn't be made for us. And we'd walk away friends. And they have that interaction of, it was a pleasure working with you at Phoenix. Like, it's just such a nice scene. It's just such a nice scene where they imagine this fantasy world where they made another company together. And this time, they didn't get at each other's throats. This time, it didn't destroy them. This time, they did everything right. And they lived out the life cycle of that company beautifully. And in a more, like, wholesome, not-at-all catty way. It's beautiful. I, I love that sequence. It's so, so perfect. And then we get our final sequence. We get our final little ending deal. 
And we get very poetic, beautiful final scenes for a few characters. First off, I want to just briefly mention Haley. She sits down, blank computer screen, just thinking, okay, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? And she pulls out the recording that earlier this season we knew Gordon made for himself. For when he was getting anxious, or when his symptoms were flaring up, or anything like that. He made a tape for himself that he could listen to, and calm himself down. Haley pulls that out, and just listens to Gordon's voice, and it calms her down like it calmed him down. Like, it's... Oh, it's delightful! It's such a beautiful moment! And then, of course, Cameron and Donna, they're on the road, they're at this diner... And, you know, they don't have an idea yet, but they don't care what the idea is. Like, they're just having a good time doing stuff. And then Donna, as she's paying for the food they ate, rushes out to the car and is like, Cameron, I have an idea. And then Cameron just sits there for a minute and then starts smiling. And then it cuts away from Cameron and Donna forever. We never know what Donna's idea was. We never know what they were going to do together. But it doesn't matter. Just as Cameron said earlier this episode, the idea doesn't matter. The idea is not what's important. What's important is that we're working together. Who cares what Cameron and Donna's next project is? What matters is... Cameron and Donna are doing a next project. They're working together. They've healed the divide, and they're establishing a professional relationship again, and they're going to work on something really cool, and it's going to be awesome. And yeah, it's going to come with its difficulties. Yeah, it's going to come with its struggles. The odds of it working out in the long run are very, very small. But they're going to be doing it. And they're going to have the pleasure of working together. They're going to have the pleasure of hashing this out and making it a reality. And it's gonna be freaking awesome. And then there's our final scene where we see just where Joe ended up. So Joe is now a professor? He's now like a humanities professor or something? He's working at a freaking university, teaching, and he's got his little office set up. He has some nice artwork up there. Uh, he has the Cardiff Giant in there, just as a little piece of nostalgia. He has pictures of of Cameron, of Haley, of Gordon, and he's finally mellowed out after all of these years. After all these years of Joe constantly changing, uh, constantly chasing the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. After all these years of Joe constantly searching for the next big project. After all these years of Joe constantly chasing the future. He's finally decided, you know what? I've gotten knocked on my ass enough times. This industry has destroyed me too many times. This industry has just kind of 
taken enough from me. I'm going to step away. I'm going to live a life. I'm going to live for myself. I'm going to do my own thing. And for the first time in a long time. For the first time since Gordon's death. He looks genuinely happy. And for the first time maybe ever. You know 100% he's going to be okay. Because he's just doing his own thing. Living his own life. Away from the constant torture and pressure and stress situations of the tech world. And that's it. God, I love this show! God, this series! It is so freaking good. I love it so, so much. I am so happy that I was able to sort of go back and spend the last month and a half, maybe two months, I don't remember. I I don't remember when exactly we started this, but I'm so happy that we got to, uh, that I got to go back and experience this show again and talk about it here in detail because it's so beautiful, it's masterful, it's brilliant, it, it chronicles... 80s and 90s tech history so, so perfectly. Uh, It does its characters very, very well. Like, it's just brilliantly, brilliantly written, brilliantly compelling. Uh, It's a refreshingly reserved series. Like, Halt and Catch Fire is very, very subtle. They've never felt the need to just have bombastic major events happen every other episode. They're just fine with letting everything breathe uh, doing everything at a slow burn, uh, and just letting stuff play out naturally. They are very good at that, and it's just, it's an artistic beauty. It's an artistic marvel. It's absolutely freaking brilliant. Uh, it has an amazing ensemble cast. Uh, everyone in this show, I just gotta call out this main cast. Uh, Lee Pace, Scoot McNary, Mackenzie Davis, the, the beautiful, beautiful Mackenzie Davis. Call me. <laughs> Had to get one last bout of creepiness out. I'm sorry. Uh, Carrie Bishy, Toby Huss, everyone in this show is magnificent. Everyone in this show gives phenomenal, phenomenal performances. I'm amazed they never got Emmys because they really, really deserve it. Uh, but I love this show. This is a rambly, rambly way of saying I love this show. It is perfection. I love literally everything about it. And I'm so happy we got to sort of go back and stroll through. Uh, And I'm happy I got to shine just a little bit of a spotlight on something that I think is very, very, very underappreciated. So now, man, we're going to have to... We're going to have to do another one, aren't we? We're going to have to do another... uh, We're going to have to do more television archive. We're going to have to do another season. This wraps up season five, I think it is. Yeah, season five. Uh, so we're going to move on to season six. I'm going to come out with a poll tomorrow. And then whatever show we decide from that, we'll start breaking down that whole deal August 12th. 
So, yeah. Get excited for that. Get excited for whatever the next thing is. This wasn't the thing. This was the thing that got us to the thing. <laughs> oh my god. What if... What if I did the description for this episode, The Thing? Like, the entire show got us to this ending, and this is The Thing. That would be perfect. I mean, it wouldn't get any more eyeballs on this episode than otherwise, but... So it would be marketing suicide, but... I should just write The Thing. In the description. I'm gonna do that. Oh, also, I'm very happy we're moving on to something else, because now I don't have to hear cold voice in the intro every time. Because when I recorded that intro, I had a cold. So that intro is cold voice, Thomas. And you might not know it just right off the bat, but I know it's cold voice, so I can hear the cold voice. I know I had a cold when I recorded that, so I can hear the cold voice. Uh, I'm sure no one else could pick up on it, because... No one else knew I had a cold the moment I did that intro, but goddamn, uh, I'm, I'm happy cold voice Thomas can finally be put to rest. His reign has finally ended. Uh, anyway, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as we go through every single episode of this and other shows, and you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simplest just to push a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash ThomasClark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support this show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, I will be back, as I said, with a poll tomorrow, and we'll be doing another season of the Television Archive starting August 12th. Talk to you then.